Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, can at times contain adult language and themes. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Digital Dissection Podcast, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. We are your humble hosts, Joe and Mark, two pop culture nerds dedicated to telling entertainment history before it's forgotten too soon. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog for more information on the show. We also love to hear from you. Write us at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to dissecting. Joe, what's your relationship with sci-fi been like? Sometimes very, very good, very, very comforting. And other times I had to be a secret love so that no one would know oh. just how entwined I was with it. And that, that time was high school. We hit it a little bit. And, uh, and now just struck back with a vengeance ever since. So what you're trying to say is <laughs> science fiction for you is El Amor Prohibido, otherwise known as the love that is forbidden. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was, it was definitely <laughs> one of those things where like, my friend's like, we know he's nerdy, but maybe he's not as nerdy as we thought before we, before, uh, we started hanging out with him. Or, or maybe after hanging out with him, maybe he's not as nerdy as we thought before. He seems kind of cool. But really, they just weren't allowed into my bedroom where my toys were. Um, and I never suggested movies or TV to watch. Like, ah, I'll just go along with everyone else wants. It'll be great. I think I can mm-hmm. uh, understand that journey a little bit. <laughs> Mostly because <laughs> I, I, I suppressed a lot of that too growing up. As we've kind of covered in the first season. We talked yeah. about this in our, our journeys with nerdity and how we kind of mm-hmm. came to be. And I have to say that my relationship with Doctor Who is oddly similar, even now. I mean, I don't talk about this with anybody. (laughs) Well, sometimes it's the fan base. Sometimes it's the content. Sometimes it's a bit of both are the reasons why you don't, you don't talk too much about them. And I think like the doc, like Doctor Who is, is fun. We do, we, I do enjoy Doctor Who quite a bit. But at the same time, there are also some stuff that's just so terribly British that I just don't understand it. (laughs) Very true. I think the biggest thing for me is that I feel like grammatically it's incorrect. I feel like it should be Doctor Whom. I think it is supposed to. Like, (laughs) I think if if you actually use the language the right way, it it should be Doctor Whom. Oh, yes. We're busting out nerdity in a lot of different ways tonight. But yes, we're here to talk about Doctor Who. Specifically, though, the reboot of the series that occurred in 2005, which, Joe, once again, we're reminded of just how old we really are because that's <laughs> 17 yeah. years ago. And, and I think the series is still going since the reboot pretty solidly, which is very, very, imp- I mean, one, impressive that it, you know, came back. Um, I know there was some, there's some, like, again, like hardcore Doctor Who fans that will say that it's been around consistently longer than any other like major sci-fi uh, series or franchise and it does it predates um both star wars and star trek uh but i mean i would argue that you know star trek's hiatus was not nearly as long uh, as doctor who's uh or actually it was the hiatus as long we'll talk about that in a bit but i don't know i don't know star wars had star trek had a lot more spin-off and other series that went for a very long time and mm-hmm. I'd argue, at least from the American audience standpoint, did not hit as many dry stories as, as Doctor Who did over the years. Unfortunately, what we're here to do today, mm-hmm. not going to talk about the entirety of the series. No, because God, no, that, that's too long. <laughs> no, there's no, ain't nobody got time for that. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do. Not one episode. Yeah, yeah, not in one episode. <laughs> we're going to talk specifically about the mm-hmm. series, so specifically series one that kicked off this reboot but before we get to that we are going to take you on a quick trip we're going to hop into the tardis quick trip quick trip (laughs) 
got excited because of the gas station chain. Yes, love Wisconsin's pride of but gas yeah, station no. convenience stores. Quick trip, not a sponsor. No, Mm-mm. but we wish, hopeful, it won't happen. But yeah. you know, if you're listening, even though you're not, we love you. Yeah. Um, yes, down down the Doctor Who memory lane, if you will, um, and to be less timey wimey, we will kind of start at the beginning and quickly trek through to where we got to in 2005. Yeah, if, just some quick data facts on this one. If you haven't heard of Doctor Who before, it is a science fiction TV program with two M's and an E on the end by BBC. It actually originally aired from 1963 to 1989. So that first initial run was actually pretty long. Very. And yeah, surprisingly, Joe, in 1963, there were some other TV programs that came out. And I'm going to read these off to you because, Joe, you're going to remember... Oh. Pretty much all of them, okay? These shows premiered in 1963 as well. You may be giving me more stock than I'm worth, but go for it. Let's do this. <laughs> yes, we have the Patty Duke Show, starring Patty Duke. Oh, who could forget the Patty Duke Show? Yes, we have the Danny Kay Show. Oh, Danny Kay. I know I know him solely uh, because of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So, yes, I do know that one. <laughs> And we have Suspense Theater in Color. Ooh. And Technicolor, no doubt, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, these ones you may actually remember. We have General Hospital and oh, yeah, there we go. Let's Make a Deal. Let's Make a Deal came hey. out the same year. All right. Yeah, those two we know. I mean, General Hospital, I think that juggernaut's been going. Even uh, I think even... Didn't Jensen Eccles get a start on General Hospital? I think he did. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure he was. Mm-hmm. He was a soap opera yeah, star our, for a little bit. Yeah, our supernatural star. And yeah, he's getting a spinoff. Um, so, I mean, he's producing the spinoff. So, of course, he's getting it. But yeah. Mm. Um, and then let's make a deal. You know, back in with Wayne Brady, I think, still. And, you yeah. know, that man's an entertainer. Hell yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Two I heard of, at least. And again, <laughs> others solely through. <laughs> solely through that. But no, actually, that's great because now I understand the National Lampoon's uh, reference with Danny Kay. It makes sense now. <laughs> I was going to say, every time I, I meet up with friends, especially from college and high school, we're talking about Patty Duke. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but for the facts mm-hmm. on Doctor Who, let's just really quickly. Uh, for, the original series was written by Sidney Newman, C.E. Weber, and Donald Wilson. And it was a combination of creative and writing at this point with Sidney mm-hmm. Newman coming up with the original concept, and then Wilson uh, and Weber kind of got handed this, this, okay, you guys need to figure out what the actual format's going to be and put pen to paper for us here. So that yes. was the original and creative it, team. And if you're unfamiliar with Sidney Newman, uh, this is the person who created the Avengers. Not, not the Marvel Avengers, but the British serial uh, The Avengers, which also did try and make a reboot there around the 2005 area, I believe, with Uma Thurman as one of yeah. the Avengers. And yeah. Voldemort, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, that was the other guy, yeah. So, yeah. hell of a team there. Both of them were villains in other movies, but, you know, it's, it's Uma, Jerry. Uma. Like, you can't, you can't keep her down. <laughs> you know, you know how many times I've seen <laughs> the Avengers, like, box set in a bargain mm-hmm. bin, and I look at that and I'm like... <laughs> It's like this is not the Avengers that I remember. This is no. like literally Ralphians and Uma Thurman, mm-hmm. you know, in this this movie that frankly I've never seen. And and Sir uh, Sean Connery was also in that. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I I could just think like this was just one of those um, attempts at revivals. Again, it was like rampant in the two thousands. It was we were very much that was very much the era of rebooting and yes. getting that process going. Because before that, it was just all about sequels. And now it's like, wait a second. Maybe the sequels were wrong. If we just revamp the original idea, I'm sure that'll work. And <laughs> we are still living in that wake, as, as every Spider-Man fan knows. But, um, yeah, Avengers was not panning out as successfully, uh, I would say at least globally, as Doctor Who's made, the, made his comeback. So Doctor Who went through kind of a different journey at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Like near the end of this original run, there have been some rumors by people online and just in general saying that the BBC potentially got embarrassed by the concept near the end. Like it was so convoluted in their Mm -hmm. eyes. There's so much mythos going on here. And so much had changed over the course of, you know, 25 years, 20, you know, 26 years at that point. Yeah. 
how, how do you make sense of it all? And what ended up happening was this attempt at a made-for-TV movie, which was supposed to act as like a backdoor reboot for the series in 1996. And it was actually an American-led effort yeah. to, to the Fox point where it's like, it. mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, let's just try and do this and see what happens. Mm -hmm. As far as reception goes, like people actually thought it was a, a decent film, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, at least in say that. <laughs> at least among some British circles, and the Americas were like, mm -hmm. "What is this? The fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. like I can't jack off I to mean, this. What's going on here?" No, I mean Will Sasso was there. If you're if you're a Mad <laughs> TV fan, um, or yeah. his his vines where he'd make lemons come out of his mouth, hilarious. Not not knocking him at all. That was legitimately funny, but it was it was just weird. Like it was again like kind of I think like there's just some. It felt like almost like fan fictiony, where it didn't seem like you had the most professional writers behind it. Like I remember seeing it because of my, I got into doctor who later and we can talk about that at a further point in the podcast, but I ended up trying to backtrack and watch a few things. And I watched I'm this movie. fucking roast you so hard. Oh, that's fine. You do that. But I, I watched this movie and one of the first things you do is, well, you do get, um, I think it's Sylvester McCoy, who's the seventh doctor is starts off in this movie. So that was kind of, Kind of nice for the British fans. They've got a, a lead in here of who this person is. Uh, well, I mean, it's not who it is, but like, yeah, it's like, hey, we're continuing the same story. And yeah. for the Americans, okay, here's this this time traveling alien, fantastic. And then something happens, and he loses his memory, and the, like he wakes up from it, and he just goes, "Who am I?" And there's lightning flashing in the background. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're Doctor Who. I get it now. <laughs> it's just like, oh, this this is the writing. This is the best we could think of, Fox. We can. <laughs> I thought we were better. <laughs> Americans are all like, who the fuck is this guy on my TV right now? huh?" And then people yeah, in the huh? UK, they're like doing the Leo DiCaprio point. They're like pointing at the, the TV like, Ooh, I, say, I, know oh, I know that bloke. I know who that is. <laughs> it's like, hey, honey, honey, come in there now. <laughs> how good that is. <laughs> you know, like they were all, all excited about it. Like seriously, the UK mm -hmm. reviews for this were actually quite positive because they're like, holy oh. shit, they're actually paying homage to the previous series mm -hmm. and they are still trying to do something new, which people said was well acted, believe it or not. Okay. So, Hey, mm -hmm. whatever. I'm not judging it. That's fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. However, didn't really take off. And so we're left with a, a failed reboot, otherwise known as blue balls. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is the case where like, it's not dread to me. Like the grosses definitely would have been too low, and I'd be like, "There's a reason why the grosses were too low. This was, <laughs> this was not engaging for, especially when like again, like been presented to U.S. audience, like we had no fucking clue what was going on for the most part. There'd just be like the uh, the patch of people who knew of this at to the United States, an obscure science fiction show from from across the pond, uh, and I'm sure they got really excited about it. But the rest of us, they could hear that thing on Fox, like. I don't know. I mean, even like seeing Sylvester McCoy in his original Doctor Who get up from the 80s, it's just like, well, this guy's supposed to save the day? I don't think so. Nah. It's like, where's the muscles? Where's all the bulging in the veins? I need to see more. Mm -hmm. We needed just to see something more machine gunny, I guess, in America at that point in time. But I, I mean, the yeah. villain was very, uh, their version of the master was budget movie Terminator ish. Um, from what I can recall, but I mean, looking at that as like a, um, like, you know, like you said, like a, um, a spiritual reboot to get the franchise going. Uh, I don't think did Doctor Who ever really go away. Cause I thought they kept doing radio serials for quite a while, even though, um, he'd been done on TV. Yeah. But when we're talking about like live action types of things, mm -hmm. we're, we're not really in that, that realm or that space. And some of the yeah. projects that occurred between the the movie and then the revival were technically considered to, at one point to be canonish and then were kind of put on the side in the same realm that star wars legends from like the old stories right yeah. <laughs> from, from long long ago <laughs> yes kind of how they got shelved now same type text. of idea yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah the sacred texts yeah <laughs> which by the way before we move away from the tv movie so people actually thought paul mcgann did a really good job in his version mm -hmm. of the doctor and eric roberts played the master 
and people thought that Eric Roberts yeah. even did a decent job. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a shame to see that Eric Roberts once again gets shit on. But hey, <laughs> he's used to it at this point, right? He's yep. He's used to being yeah. deep in it. So, mm-hmm. but and yeah. if you were in the same uh, mindset of most Americans who saw this for the first time, wondering yourself, who is this Doctor Whom, and what is what what are they all about? Well, we should probably give you a little bit of background on the character a bit first. But before we get to the character, oh, I do want to okay. point out, just before mm-hmm. this reboot began, the BBC was once again embarrassed, but for a different reason. <laughs> That's because they lost like a third of the fucking series. <laughs> like, <laughs> they just don't know what happened to it. They, well, they used to have this this process of mm-hmm. basically renting out the copies of the shows that they had, and they would mm-hmm. give them to like other countries to broadcast, right? And sometimes this involved giving away the original copies to people. Oh, God. And at one point, they kept the the duplicates in this, like, library-type thing. Mm-hmm. But then they fucked up and destroyed the copies based on their, their old standards and practices. So they lost, like, seriously, like, like a third of the goddamn series because, like, <laughs> oh, should we be keeping this? Sounds like, shh, yeah, yeah. Bullocks out of your mind. Fucking throw that away. I don't want that in here. And then, <laughs> and they and they just got rid of it. Fucking let it go. <laughs> I just don't get it. You know, I, I was just trying to think of a third like British like dialect to throw into your Michael Caine and Limey uh, <laughs> junk that you had over there. Yeah, some 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 bloke on the floor with like his his like wearing knee pads. You know, just cleaning shit out. <laughs> <laughs> Or like yeah. the guy who's like in charge and has money and give a clue doesn't know what's going on. Hello there. I say, did you find those episodes of the Doctor anywhere? <laughs> oh, you haven't. Okay like... then. Let's uh, maybe just put some Jimmy Civil up. Oh wait, we can't do that anymore, can we? He he was didn't. Oh no, we can't do that oh, anymore. Oh no, no, we can't do that. He maybe sort of kind of touched a lot of people in bad naughty ways. Oh, let's just run Parliament live for a while mm. and see if anyone notices. Yes, put the kettle on. We're changing the subject. <laughs> and done with the accents. All right. I'm no, sure we're not done. They're... We are not fucking done at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we are going to get into, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. what the hell is this Doctor Who gentleman? Yeah. Joe, do you want to take first yeah. crack at what the hell Doctor yeah. Who is? So, strictly from the, the mythos standpoint, he is a member of a race known as the Time Lords. Their race is are surrounded around the idea that they ha- they can time travel. Uh, they do so with different machines, and their machines are so advanced that they can take the form of basically anything you want them to look like, and when you step into them, no matter the apparent size of them, they are much larger on the inside. Mm. And so they have basically made their way gallivanting through the ages uh, and solving problems. And they also have this unique ability. As long as they aren't, like, seriously injured, meaning uh, if they were shot, their body, that they, they, they would die. However, their body would regenerate and come back, changing the appearance of the individual. However, retaining the memories of the previous. So they would have a, basically a whole new personality, remember everything they did before, and could go on living a whole new life so that they could live for literal generations. And I do say, when I say not seriously wounded, it's just a flesh wound or just a gunshot. <laughs> if their head was severed, they could no longer regenerate. If, you, if you're watching the video program here, I'm laughing, almost losing my mind over here because <laughs> I'm thinking about this meme I saw where, uh, where it says that British people or British people, as the meme says, like downplay everything. So what I'm thinking of here is like the doctor's like mortally wounded. He's like, hey, what's all what's this in? What's all this? You know, <laughs> am I, I toy it? And it's like another one's like, I appear I have deceased, or I'm in the process of deceasing. I require medical attention and aid. Oh, <laughs> uh, never mind. I've grown quite tired of living. Just let the process take place then. <laughs> yes, just just let what's going to happen naturally happen. Just let it take over. I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> Yeah, so from the species standpoint, it is a fun science fiction thing, uh, but a, it's, it's brilliant from a studio standpoint because that could mean 
that if you ever have an actor decide, I no longer want to do the part, I want to move on and do other things, or perhaps you no longer like the actor playing your lead and you wish to not resign him, you can kill him off and just replace him with someone else because he would just regenerate and change anyway. So it is both fun science fiction and good reality. And, like, other series have kind of copied this to a fault. In Star Trek, you do get the Trills, um, who basically is just a, more or less a parasite that just kind of goes on to, uh, goes into other beings and just keeps bringing memories from all of the others. So as long as the parasite survives, all of the wealth of knowledge it's acquired also survives. So that is the Americanized version of this. But, uh, yeah, that's more or less the skinny on Doctor Who. Regenerating time-traveling alien from a race of time-traveling aliens and makes some, you know, friends and enemies along the way. Now, I do want to make two corrections in what you just said. It's <gasps> actually he or her sure. yes, that could turn into true. the Doctor. Mm -hmm. And there's been 14 to this point in time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 14 yes. Doctors. 14. And... I mean, it's not really a spoiler at this point because I think it's technically 15, but 15 is just 10 all over again. It's about to be 15-ish. <laughs> wow, I really can't turn this off. Sometimes and it really, just takes over. It's like a spirit. Would that it's be like 15? It would be 16-ish because there was the War Doctor at one point. I think the I think the, the War uh... Okay, it's here like we go. It's like a weird <laughs> job. Okay, we but, need to focus on the planet hand. We're going uh, sticking back to, to 2005. 2005. Yes, yes, yes. But the, now, the war doctor was only there because 2005 wouldn't do anything again anyway. But, yeah. But but uh, as far as the regeneration process goes, mm -hmm. we also need to correct that a little bit because the previous doctor doesn't always remember or have intimate knowledge of the one before it. Mm -hmm. So when they regenerate, it's not like you're just reloading from a previous saved game like you're getting a whole new person gets to interpret the role mm -hmm. their own way and so yeah. it's familiar yet fresh yes you know? it's it is interesting that way too because like i don't know like i don't know if that's just because it's sometimes it's convenient for writing like that or or why because i mean there are like i mean there are times when like and in, in matt smith's doctor like blatantly says memories from things that happened between David Tennant going and him coming in that we didn't see on TV, and he says they're blatant memories that he still has. So, yeah. I mean, it, it comes and goes as the writing needs it. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. not to the point, though, where you're truly living no. through the same character, though. No, 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 I mean, no, no, it's, no. It's that's, enough, yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I did, I, I should make sure that is a definitely, like you said, it's a, it's a definite thing, is it, every time the Doctor regenerates, it is a brand new personality, a whole new person. So even if they have the memories from before or don't, depending on what they need, a uh, completely different person. And because every doctor does not like dying, by the way, all of them do not look forward to the event. And everyone's like, oh, don't worry, I'll be back in, in no time and in a jiffy. It's like, no, no, they definitely don't like it. Not a fan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, uh, it's, always, it's always tragic. And the good news is, is that, yes, they're hard scenes to watch, okay? Like, this isn't a spoiler thing either, because for anyone who's watched the series, or even just kind of, maybe this is like a pop culture blind spot for you. I mean, you know the actors change. So oh, at yeah. some point, you're going to have mm -hmm. to see what happens. And I knew a little bit of this coming into the property, because I didn't actually mm -hmm. watch it when it first came out. I, I discovered it maybe about, six years later six years 2011 2010 in that area yeah. and so i was already involved with this knowing who david Tennant was right mm -hmm. and so it was a little bit di different for me but ultimately the show gets rebooted as we mentioned after a 16 year hiatus yeah so 2005 mm -hmm. kicks off this new creative process this new show format still don't get why the bbc is embarrassed with this like massively mm -hmm large property that nerds love but mm -hmm. either way they decided this guy named russell t davies okay he's been bothering us literally four years <laughs> not i'm not saying four as in one two three four i mean no. literally for like several the entire mm -hmm. time 
it's off the air. This dude's bothering people, trying to get them to put it back on the air. And <laughs> at this point in time, Russell T. Davies wasn't like a household name or anything. And he still might not be to the right people. <laughs> but, but at this point in time, he was an up-and-coming writer in the mm -hmm. U.K., and he had many successful shows. One of them that people are probably the most familiar with is Queer as Folk, which still to this day is a celebrated show. And he had actually originally written a treatment for Doctor Who that was rejected. At this point, he was just like a considered a, a graduated fan, right? It gets shot yeah. down by producers mm -hmm. back in like 1987, I want to say. So during the original run. And as an odd twist of fate, his, his idea for a show would end up being repurposed into an episode in that 2005 run. So pretty, Ooh. pretty cool stuff. It's always, I'm, I'm always happy to see yeah. fans turn their talents into something for the properties that they love. And in this case, it's, it's kind of <laughs> like when David Tennant was like a career fan of Dr. Who, and then he lands the lead role. God, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It feels the same. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So he finally gets the BBC to listen to him. And and we get this new show in 2005. Uh, so let's look at, I guess, like the runners of the show. So we, get, we, we want a new doctor. We want a fresh start. Uh, we're not going to do what we did before and have the previous doctor come on have him get axed and killed off and regenerate to a doctor. Instead, we get hit with a new doctor right away. And this is played by Christopher Eccleston. And if you are not familiar with him and you've watched movies we've told you about before, uh, specifically Gone in 60 Seconds, he is Raymond Kalitri. Um, the, ah, oh, should I think the, uh, something tearing the soft underbelly of our town. Uh, he runs all the dark yeah. ponies. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> yes. He runs all the dark ponies, all that fun stuff. But yeah, so um, great actor, established in the UK. He also, uh, who was he in G.I. Joe? He was uh, Despero. Was he Destro? Yeah. Destro. De yeah, Despero yeah. is the DC villain with the eye. Um, but yeah, he was Destro uh, through that movie. <laughs> it was a lead film. I, I love how the line he says in gone in 60 seconds when he first meets Nick Cage and he goes I tried to learn your customs and learn your ways but this baseball is so bleeding boring boring and I'm like man <laughs> god damn it he's right he's yeah, out of line he's wrong. right <laughs> uh, and seriously up to this point in time I really did only know him for some of the properties that you mentioned because there was 28 days later which he mm -hmm. was you know one of the main antagonists in that movie and then he would end up being in uh, Thor the Dark World years later. Yep. You know, so this is like, that's past this point. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'd always known him as a villain or a person yeah. of low moral fiber, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Which, again, very contrast to who he is uh, in, in this particular series. Um, yeah. But yeah. Mm -hmm. So great job. And uh, a smooth new look as far as doctors are concerned because... When you look at the doctor traditionally through the years, a bit of an awkward dresser. And that was yeah. kind of part of the character, is that they had this quirky look about them. That they were almost in their in their own cases, in some in some cases, just a person out of time. And either like our first doctor dressed old timey, and then after that, they were attaching celery to their coats, they were doing mile long scarves, so just all sorts of crazy. See, and I was exactly going to say that. I go, Joe, is it just possible mm -hmm. the doctor is before his time or outside Ooh. of his time? You know, like yes. what? Because, mm -hmm. you know, maybe that is the fashion where he's from or where he's traveled that and could be. picked it up along mm -hmm. the way, patchwork style. But Yeah, but, but now yeah. we get a man in nice dark denim, a uh, <laughs> V-neck jumper, and a smooth as heck leather jacket. I mean, who didn't have like a lambskin leather jacket back in like the early 2000s <laughs> i sported one oh yeah know? it got we were, all, we were it, all there it got wet once and it was rendered unusable after that point but hey that's <laughs> but it, hey <laughs> it was there so joe what ends up being good about eccleston isn't just the fact that he's a good actor we've already talked about some examples of where we liked him mm -hmm. but bringing him in comes along with kind of uh letting go of some of the 
let's call it the troublesome details from the previous timelines that Doctor Who established. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's bad stuff. I'm just saying it's easier to start over with someone who's a little more inviting. And we really just keep the things that I think people were likely to recognize about the Doctor anyway. Yeah. So we're talking about things like his his favorite every tool, multi-tool, you know, the sonic screwdriver. Uh, we have the, the TARDIS phone booth, you know, the, the time and relative dimensions and space. We uh, all have a good machine. acronym. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. And, and yeah, and I think that makes it a lot easier to secure new audiences, welcome in the old ones mm -hmm. or the more experienced yep. ones. Not Absolutely. To insult the age. <laughs> so so it, I think it's a really good decision to do it that way. Not to mention, Eccleston's doctor is full of charisma. The dude is yeah. the most charismatic motherfucker I've ever seen. I I would absolutely and wholeheartedly agree with that. Is he's charismatic and like the optimism that his character has is phenomenal yeah. because that is one thing that I will as someone who like Star Trek is is like my my pinnacle of science fiction is my favorite. But one thing that this series, especially what Eccleston did that will always get me is how he'll meet characters. And for the most part, there's only one exception that I can think of in the series is he's going to meet characters. And these are things that are daunting and terrifying to the humans who are involved in whatever Shannon's going or even the other aliens that are there. And he never looks at them and is afraid of them. He always sees it as a new opportunity or that we have so much to learn and that it's exciting when you meet something new. And that is something that is, is very lost in a lot of people um, where we become suspicious of something we don't understand or we're afraid of something we don't understand. And this character gets excited about things he doesn't understand. Uh, with again, he as in like Eccleston, because again, we, we've, we've, we've said that time Lords, when they regenerate, don't always come back the same, uh, gender or biological sex that they were, uh, before. So with Eccleston's character specifically, uh, yeah, the amount of just sheer optimism he has towards almost everything in that series was flat out infectious. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a good point that you bring up because right away the the doctor is obviously meant to draw you in he's the main character mm -hmm. of the show for the most part right and what doctor who is kind of built on as a a core function is that the doctor always has companions that join him in his travels which takes you know takes form in in the the uh the role of rose tyler played by billy mm -hmm. piper and so when you see her she's this like 19 year old girl she's observing these crazy events that unfold and of course, our leather jacket clad doctors, you know, running around, just spinning her up in his web. And I mean, <laughs> you just forget all about your boyfriend, Ricky, at the time. Oh, poor so, Ricky. which also for those of you who know, that is an inside joke that we just called him Ricky, <laughs> which Mark, I know, I, I know I am much more familiar with this than you are. Do you, are you aware of the whole Ricky Mickey thing? So it's not coming immediately mm -hmm. to me. The ah, only other mm -hmm. time I've seen this kid was in Star Trek Into Darkness, where he helps blow up the archives. He does does <laughs> so help do the blowy uppy thing. I um, do not know. But yeah, I do not know. So when you first, right off, uh, right off the bat, when you first meet the the Doctor and he meets Rose in the first episode of this, Rose, um, who a slight discredit to the character is that she is always kind of like, kind of like I don't know almost teenage like hormone lovesick throughout yeah. the series um which she does that that wanes as the series goes on but how she is in this first series with uh eccleston is that she has a boyfriend named mickey and things are kind of i don't know they're okay like yeah. probably like a lull or a low point in the relationship um and then the doctor sweeps in he's exciting he's charismatic He's got this incredible life. So Rose is swept off of her feet by the whole thing. Mickey gets jealous, of course. And the doctor calls him Ricky yeah. for quite a while. That's and right. And then he doesn't say anything. Eventually he's like, 
my name is Mickey. And the doctor's like, no, no, it's Ricky. Yeah. And Mickey goes, uh, I'm pretty sure I know my own name. And doc, and Eccleston looks him dead now. He says, pretty sure? You yeah. should be wholly sure that you know your own name. It's which, Ricky. Which is, I do remember this. Yeah, sorry. It just didn't yep. come right to mind. Mm -hmm. But the, the yes. stuff about the doctor and him, the, the relationship is hilarious because it reminds mm -hmm. me of what happens with uh, Sherlock and the police you know, in, in the Benedict Cumberbatch version, mm -hmm. it, it's kind of like that where he, he refuses to acknowledge him for anything other than just having a pulse. And yes. it's, it's pretty damn mm -hmm. funny to see how that all works out. And I love it when there's a, a, a scene later mm -hmm. in uh, the world war three episode where he goes like, I can't believe I have to even waste the breath to say this, but I need your help. <laughs> you <can't think. laughs> <laughs> yeah you're just like so, yeah and it, that's which is another like weird part of the doctor is that he has an arrogance about him but not arrogance in that he will outright always kind of tell you that he's better than you or something but like there are ways like he's smart and he enjoys people seeing him being smart sort of thing uh, and this is true, honestly, through almost all of his modern, all of the Doctor's modern iterations, at least, say, for the first three iterations of, of the series when it came back. But pivoting back to the companion side of this, where we did say, like, the, the discredit to Rose is that in this series, it's Mickey, then Doctor, and then w basically every other episode, some generally attractive young British boy shows up that she's all... Ooh, maybe this man fits my fancy more, but that the doctor is still exciting. And she's kind of like emotionally jumping between the two, but ultimately ends up with our, or ends up thinking that the doctor's is the way to go. Um, but other parts of her character that are really, really great, as opposed to this one, one aspect of the whole thing is that she is like the doctor, very, very inquisitive where she gives basically everyone the benefit of the doubt without mistrusting them right away, but not to the point where she's naive about it, unless she needs to be a little naive for the story to continue, which does happen in one of my more favorite episodes, is she, she's naive, naive to a fault. But she does a great job of basically almost representing the human audience watching the show, is that yeah. compared to this other very fantastic being um, we, we kind of get caught up in the whole situation, the magic, but all sometimes don't always think straight because of what's going on around us. And to Rose and the companion, everything is new to her. Everything is amazing to her, uh, which I mean, to the doctor, everything's amazing to, to the doctor as well, but for a very different reason. So this is this whole again, part of our humanity that gets to be viewed through the doctor's companion. It's it's interesting because at first she does show apprehension in joining the doctor. And mm -hmm. so you, I think, I think it does kind of help once again, put you in, in the shoes of that person and go, yeah, would I join someone that just, you know, fought an army of mannequins that were trying to kill yeah. me? You know, do I jump into this phone booth and just mm -hmm. <laughs> decide to go on a, a time traveling <laughs> romp? Like it, it's, it, it makes sense, mm -hmm. right? That's yeah. that's that's the core part of it. It's sci-fi mm -hmm. that like you don't have to have a understand a thesis to know about. You don't have to have no. a master's degree to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it's really rooted in in like just personal relationships, right? Yeah. It, it's mm -hmm. it's it's none of this stuff that you typically get so wrapped into in sci-fi. Whether it's these intergalactic wars or even mm -hmm. the technology of what they're doing. Yeah. It's it's really just how people interact with each other, and that's what I think is is so easy to consume here, is that you're you're just seeing mm -hmm. that, and yeah, and really what I think lends itself really well here is because of that fact, mm -hmm. because there's such an investment in how these characters interact with their environments, the show can be lighthearted at times, and then immediately get serious. Yeah. or get sad, mm -hmm. or get scary. And it can do this sometimes, multiple times in the same episode, sometimes the same five minutes. I mean, it's <laughs> it really does kind of bounce around, doesn't it? 
It does. And that's also kind of the fun of the series because when you look at like, again, like other landmark ones here in the States, like Star Trek, Star Trek is pretty consistent in that it is all just the technology, the humans are the um, humanity is the crew of the ship. Um, and the, the ship itself is earth and the aliens are the old problems. The ship is solving them with their new wisdom. And this does not really like get caught up in all of that. And I love that you can have sometimes, like you said, like jump from things that are like, you know, terribly funny to just terrifying. And I love that you can do that uh, as opposed to making it like, Again, Star Trek, you may get one episode every other season where it's like, oh, this is going to be kind of a scary episode. We'll do something fun with it. But this is like, no, no, we're going to stick a horror episode on you in the middle of nowhere uh, every season because we like we like horror stories. And with Eccleston, uh, I think, in my, my humble opinion, still has the best of those horror stories, and they didn't do a two-parter. I think it was episodes like 9 and 10. I'm, I'm blanking on the first episode, but the second one was called The Doctor Dances. And if you are in the Doctor Who fandom, you'll know this. And even if you're outside of the Doctor Who fandom, you probably know this because you heard someone walking around at a convention saying, are you my mummy? And you're terribly confused by it. So this was another, again, because I think like even before that, it came off a very, I want to say like lighthearted episode, uh, very much like adventure and gallivanty, and then boom, horror. And it was yeah. such a great creepy two-part episode of like again like this idea of like i don't know like anything involving children sometimes just gets really scary in horror movies so it's surrounding this boy with a gas it appears to have a gas mask on his face walking around um disrupting radio signals and telephones that shouldn't be ringing or ringing and he's always on the other end he's always asking if you're his mummy and it's just creepy and even before that though I mean, just episode three with the unquiet dead where people are like getting okay. possessed by by these spirits and they're meeting Charles Dickens in the 1800s, you know, like <laughs> Very true. this yeah. ep this episode you get to see this is once again, this is episode three of the series and both the doctor and, and Rose, they're like ready to meet that like they're ready to expire like they're going, yep, I think this mm -hmm. is where we're going to end this very short journey and, it, and you can see it in their eyes and you're like, Holy shit, mm -hmm. this is, this is really serious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and so that's, like I said, three episodes in, so they're willing to take some chances here with a combination of traditional sci-fi where it's mm -hmm. just, you know, sometimes technology run wild. Uh, other times it's a very uh, stretchy piece of skin causing things mm -hmm. to go amok on a, an observation <laughs> deck. But... Moisturize me. Moisturize me. Oh, yes. So dry. And so I hot. just love like how they can explore depth with the characters in the show too, especially in, in the in this season, where you have Eccleston's doctor is again charismatic. He's mostly lighthearted. He's always excited to see something new. And then you hit the Dalek episode, which oh. if you've been fans of the series since the sixties um, you know that this is like a quintessential like villain for the Doctor. And yeah. now we get this mention, which also, by the way, we get this mention of something called the Time War that wiped out um, the Daleks and wipes out the, uh, the Time Lords. And yeah. it's nowhere. Like, it's not talked about um, in the movie. It's not talked about, obviously, in the, the previous series. It's something that happened between the 1996 movie and the 2005 series. But the Daleks are supposed to be gone, and yet here is a Dalek. And because of the extreme history that the Doctor and the Time Lords had with the Daleks, this is the first time you see him terrified. Because in, in episode three, he's ready to accept death. He's like, oh, shoot, I'm like, this, is, this is scary, but I've, I've had my time. But like when he sees the Dalek for the first time, yeah. he is turning and screaming and running. And it's legitimate terror. And then when he finds out that like the Dalek can't actually do anything and it's more or less like physically neutered at that point, And it's just a husk sitting there. You suddenly get this other side of the doc that you've never seen before where 
he's vindictive and he's vengeful and he's beyond angry towards this towards this thing and he he wants it to die not not like help it not see if we can get it to go away and just send it back home he's like no he wants the dalek dead and we see this i, I mean in this case kind of a warranted prejudice against uh, a dalek because of the the war that he's been through with them but unlike anything else that we've seen in the show up until that point he is willing to literally blow it away when he gets his hands on like a cannon for a little bit there something important to point out though whenever the time war and the daleks are kind of referred to which for those of you who haven't seen one before they're basically a giant trash can with the yes. metal penis hanging off mm -hmm. of it yep and, and a plunger <laughs> and they say exterminate a whole bunch yes mm -hmm. but you can see this in other episodes before this point where he kind of makes reference to the time war mm -hmm. that clearly this guy has had to spend a lot of time thinking about this he's developed some coping mechanisms where that positivity kind of takes over mm -hmm. and the way that he interacts with other people's as you mentioned earlier like the way that he interacts with people is much different than most of us when we're just meeting strangers or whatever yeah mm -hmm. for him it's an actual appreciation for the universe's history and the cultures and observing these things mm -hmm. because he can't do it with his own his own people anymore no you know like this this is him kind of imprinting himself on the rest of the galaxies that he's a part of and so when he does see this dalek which he thought was dead and he came up with all these coping mechanisms <laughs> it's all up mm -hmm. it's it's completely gone it's yeah. it's all gone he he's almost like a wild animal at that point mm-hmm and again, so just it's to, yeah, yeah, and to see that, like, again, like, it was refreshing when you didn't need to be refreshed because the series definitely had not gone stale with what we had seen so far with Eccleston and Piper mm -hmm. and their performance together. We even had great tertiary cast members, some of which would come back, I think, to even get their own series because it was uh, Aliens in London. Um, our our Prime Minister gets her own series. Um, gets her own spin-off show. But yeah. we've had great TV so far, and then suddenly, like they just dial it up and give us something different and something fresh that's in an already refreshing property. So, like, it just gets better and better in this season. Each time you go on, you actually want it to happen more. You're expecting and wanting something new because it's been giving you something new and something exciting and great takes um, or great ways of telling their perspective on modern issues through science fiction so just just brilliant and also i think is um in the two part i was mentioning before with our with our, our our mummy uh child going around everywhere is where we also get another great recurring semi-recurring role cast members where we got captain jack harkness uh oh, yeah. he came into that two-parter uh sweat literally sweeps rose off her feet at some point in time does the, again playing off that whole, does Rose like the doctor? Or is she like the new suave person that showed up? But yes. we get a bunch of great characters that come back and forth in the show. And Jack and Rose all make it to the, the last episode of the season, which honestly, heartbreaking if you were really enjoying season one. But it is it's don't very wanna, heartbreaking. Don't want to go into <laughs> ruining that for you if you haven't checked this out. Uh, it is definitely a bombshell, and clearly the show keeps going after that point. Um, but yeah, it was unfortunate that we. It was unfortunate what happened, uh, especially if you if you know anything about the series um, of things that happened behind the scene with performers and cast members and other cast members. And I mean, not cast yeah. members, but. Um, showrunners yeah showrunners yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah the, the producers the the big wigs and, and we can talk about this a little bit because mm -hmm. christopher eccleston doesn't make it beyond this first series yeah. and when i first started watching this yes i knew about the david tennant connection mm -hmm. because he takes over for eccleston after this point and when i watched C series one everybody had told me it's like oh man tennant's one of the best doctors that's ever lived you know he's gonna you're gonna love his stuff and so I'm not saying I went into it going, I want to hate this guy, mm -hmm. just disprove people. But after I saw 
the really heartfelt performance that Eccleston delivers mm -hmm. alongside the charismatic stuff that we talked about, and then weaving in this like really just brutal, almost like PTSD style yeah. character. And he hides it. Like he hides it just mm -hmm. like someone with PTSD might do the same. And so like seeing him become who he is throughout this, this first series, I was not ready to say goodbye to him. Mm -mm. Not by any stretch of the imagination. No. Frankly, it it mm -hmm. uh, it almost ruined me a little bit. It did. And it did <laughs> like, okay, so we won't tell you exactly how it happens, but the line he gives on his way out. Now, uh, every doctor is going to have kind of their own their own catchphrase. Not that kind of. They legit have their own catchphrase as they go. Uh, I got very sick of Elanzi very fast, and it wasn't even David Tennant's fault. But, uh, yeah, so with, with Nine, with Eccleston, it was uh, fantastic. He says it in every episode multiple times. It's his thing. Yes. When he gets really tight, he says fantastic. And right before he goes, and you're emotionally struck with knowing he's, he's about to go and he's not going to make it, he turns to Rose to say goodbye. And he said, Rose Tyler, you were fantastic. And you know what? So, so was I. I. And then God, smiles, just... saves the day, and just, mm. oh, it was hard uh... because, like, yep, I just, I mean, of 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 the doctors I've seen come and go so far, and granted, like, I'm, I will not say I'm a, I'm a doctor expert. I watched um, nine, ten, and eleven, and after eleven, who was, who is my favorite? Uh, Matt Smith's performance was my favorite doctor. Um, when he went, I just couldn't. And you know it's going to happen. It's it's a thing. Like if you're a fan of Doctor Who, you know the actor's not going to stay. They'll get a few seasons or a season and move on. Uh, so when you know it's going to happen, it doesn't make it any better. But so yeah. when I knew he was gone, I'm like, I'm sorry, Pete, but I just can't. I can't keep going. Matt was my boy. Uh, but it, it, and it sucks. all of them it go sucks. emotionally. Mm -hmm. It sucks. It really does because of course those moments are always an emotional gut punch, no matter what they come up with as the ending, mm -hmm. like for that season, it just doesn't matter. There's always no. a very, very hard to process moment attached to a line that's also equally hard to hear. <laughs> and and that absolutely <laughs> happened with this when I finally decided to give it a shot and I just went, oh, why? Why? Why did I do this to myself? You know, but, <laughs> but I, I will say Eccleston's performance truly mm -hmm. made me want to go check out more stuff that he did after I watched this series because mm -hmm. it was so inspired. It was so much fun. And, and as you mentioned, I immediately attached to him. The mm -hmm. second he starts talking, even though the music of the first, the, the, the pilot episode is a little kooky and it feels, Oh yeah. It feels like B movie video for a little bit. <laughs> it gets better. It gets much better it by does. the way. Mm -hmm. But at first, it's kind of like, man, what's going on here? But, yeah. but mm -hmm. just his enthusiasm and what he brought mm -hmm. to the role makes the behind-the-scenes stuff that much harder to oh. try to come to terms with mm -hmm. because he's really not – he doesn't regret doing the role. Mm -hmm. He still has a lot of uh, affinity for what his performance provided mm -hmm. to the series because it did. It helped kickstart this entire reboot. Yep. But there are some things he just can't forgive from the no. creative side and mm – -hmm what he went through and I respect him for that. I do. Absolutely. Yep. And I know, I think they were like at the time when people found out he was only doing one season, I think he received some like harsh feedback from fans and from people watching because he had done such a great job. Everyone was thinking he was going to come back and then he, yeah. he goes the first season and then you, I'm sure they limited information coming out. They found out he chose to only do one season. And I think, people took that as, and he just wasn't a fan of what he was doing and he wanted to move on and do something different. Um, but like when word came out that basically it was pretty much like a, it was abuse um, that was happening behind the scenes and he just didn't, he wasn't going to put up with it anymore. So he left. Um, when yeah. you, you get that plus that, that ending line, like it, the heartbreaking all around. So, yeah. uh, but I mean, the story goes on. <laughs> it does. And Mm -hmm. And what's really kind of cool about this is throughout the first season, we're not going to give this away. It's just mm -hmm. something to kind of watch for. And there's a lot of imagery that's dedicated to what's called the bad wolf. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember, Joe, 
knowing about The Bad Wolf when the show came out. I, I wasn't a big Doctor Who fan, but I knew yep. about this. I will say I hated it seeing mm-hmm. Bad Wolf drawn on like a wall somewhere when I'm just walking yeah. outside. And I'm like, come on. Fuck really? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what the, like, what the what fuck that, is that? What does that mean? I, I, <laughs> Mm-hmm. And even after I watched the show, I was like, don't write that shit somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like somebody just thinks you're talking about some like, you know, some some rock band that's opening for an even shittier rock band. Like, don't do that, you know? No. Yeah. <laughs> but as it plays out in the show, mm-hmm. I actually began to, to grow uh, some appreciation for this because it shows mm-hmm. up throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm. There's never really much of an explanation either until you oh. have no choice but to face it. And mm-hmm. so for for a series that just got its start again, I thought that was immensely cool that they were able to pull off something like that. Mm-hmm. And for one, not have it get leaked because yeah. we're not going to ruin it. But no. it's, it's, a, it's a really cool idea. And it takes place across the entire series. And you see it written on stuff. It shows up in, mm-hmm. in different creative ways. And I, I thought this did something better than most sci-fi can can ever achieve yeah because i mean when when you say across the series it's literally like through all of david Tennant's work it shows yeah. up and comes back and then you finally get the payoff with david Tennant. and to know that they had started setting that up in eccleston's season um just phenomenal just incredible good writing and again also great like you said the fact that it didn't get leaked on what it was going to be uh fucking awesome just great um, yeah, to keep a storyline that intriguing going because they could have very much just quickly like, well, people keep wondering what it is and we finally give it to him and it's a flop, but it wasn't, it wasn't a flop at all. It paid off very well. Um, yeah. which is very hard to do when you have a lot of hype behind it to actually meet the hype and succeed. Um, so you know, just kudos to that writing staff and that writing team wrestled with, uh, with RCG Davies. It felt like it was presented, this bad wolf idea. It, it almost was presented like what happens mm-hmm. in a horror thriller type of movie where you're mm-hmm. never truly given enough to know what's going on. Yeah. Like you, you get an idea. Yeah, okay. You can speculate as to what threads could possibly lead back to it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you're not given enough mm-hmm. until just the minute that it's delivered. And yeah, you could say, oh, well, this meant this back then. And I go, yeah, but yeah. there was no way for you no. to know that, that, that A equaled, you know, F or whatever, right? <laughs> there's, there's just no way for you to know that. No. Yeah, you, could, you can pretend like it in hindsight because you're like, oh, yeah, I know that. I oh, yeah, yeah, you're wrong. No. I, no, but for I all you that. knew, two plus three equaled yeah. chair, you dumbass. Like, you're making <laughs> yeah. it up if you said you called it, you knew it was going to happen. <laughs> exactly. There's no way you could really call that one. No. But it, mm-hmm. but it was it, it was a fun little mystery to kind of keep you invested beyond what was already well done. And so yeah. for, for me, that's what I really think about when I come back to this, this 2005 Series 1. Mm-hmm is that it's a very compelling world that they built. They didn't hit you over the head with too much. I feel like you're always getting just enough of whether it's a new species introduced, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, it's it's usually not too tremendously complicated. And yeah. so that, that's why I think mm-hmm. it's a great thing to jump in at this point. Don't go back to 1963, like just- No, too far. <laughs> <laughs> too far. See, see if I've 2005 tried it. It's too works. Far. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, we've gone too far. We've gone too far. Yeah, we've gone too far. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> what was it? Uh, uh, I feel like it's like the Austin Powers line. Someone's like, "No, there's all this time we could go and see it. They want to see it." And he's just like, "No, trust me. A wall came down. There's a flock of seagulls, and that was about it." <laughs> like <laughs> looking back at all the old Doctor Who stuff, like you have to be British or really want to be British to get back into the really old Doctor Who from the '60s, '70s, and '80s. So. 2005 is a fantastic place to start. And I think that is also, I mean, when we, what we do on the show and we talk about what a property's legacy is, this one is kind of the most like glaringly obvious, like what its legacy is. It's the fact that the show is still going. I mean, you're looking at like this show that started in the sixties, took us, took a nap through the nineties, comes back in the two thousands and worked so well with this first series coming back that it just 
kept going after that. And it has enough momentum now where even if you have, there have been like bad seasons and bad episodes here and there, uh, but the show just keeps going. And I think if you don't have the work of Eccleston and Piper um, and Barrowman doing as well as they did. John Barrowman was Jack Harkness, by the way, before I get too far away from that. If, since those are your, the, like, you know, the two leads and the closest to the, or not even the closest, but the strongest of the recurring characters in the season, um, show wouldn't keep going. And you get great tropes from the Doctor in this series that just persist. Like, his, like the absolute wittiness of every single Doctor that comes afterwards I think stems from Eccleston's doctor. Um, uh, the whole, again, like the, the concept of this doctor absolutely hating the idea of, of guns being used and war-like things happening uh, really rung, uh, rings true because of what Eccleston's doctor experienced that the other eight doctors before hadn't yet experienced uh, yeah. with the time war. And uh, God, even like, the gut punching like ending speech or like ending lines that the doctor gives, I think stem through this doctor. Uh, like his was powerful tenant saying, I don't want to go. And that's his big thing after he w goes around and says goodbye to all of his companions that he had on the show. Um, Matt Smith, who has, I will always remember when the doctor was me, um, all these things that felt like basically meta lines because it feels like these are what the actors thought about their time as the doctor. You had Eccleston who knows he did a great job with it and he knows his cast did a great job, which is why you get, you were fantastic. And so was I David Tennant notoriously decided to step down and then regretted it and didn't want to step down, but they'd already signed on Matt Smith. So I don't want to go is both David Tennant and the doctor and Matt Smith, knowing that it's, it's his time to go in the role and move on and do something else and talk about how he's always going to cherish his time as the doctor. And that's what rings through the last line. It's just incredible. And hey, this Matt is Smith, all stuff from, yeah. Eccleston, from Eccleston. Matt Smith had business to do because he had to go dance in Morbius. Okay. He, <laughs> he, he, had, to, he had to leave I, this show oh to be God. able to have that opportunity. And... He, also, he also had to be Skynet. Um, yes, <laughs> I believe he had to be the King of England uh, for a bit there too. And yeah. currently um, hanging out in Westeros. So yeah. Matt Smith, busy, busy man, just doing sorts of things with the big floppy hair uh, that we, we love him for. Well, but yeah, that's the show's legacy is just, the, it keeps going. And the doctors have been doing things that Eccleston's been doing ever since. I'm going to go op-ed for this as we kind of shut mm -hmm. things down and go, Doctor Who is a property that the UK had always owned. It was a sci-fi property that the UK appreciated quite a bit. It was uniquely British, uniquely English, however you want to pronounce it, or, or attach, rather. Mm -hmm. And I think there were many fans at that point that were around the world. In 2005, that all changed. In 2005, once this series premiered, and it paved the way to, like you mentioned, some of these other performances by Tennant, by Matt Smith. This was the point in time where Doctor Who was no longer just the UK's thing. Mm -hmm. This became a worldwide phenomenon at this point. And I think a lot of people found things in Doctor Who that they think they saw in themselves. There were things in, in Doctor Who that maybe even made them feel better about themselves, right? There, You yeah. can be eccentric you can have your own style you can be witty you can be strange and the important thing here is to be that person and enjoy life you know because mm -hmm. that's that's what doctor who does it's it's a show that surprisingly makes you feel good about things yeah despite how bad stuff can go <laughs> and mm -hmm. it can also cause people to go to renaissance fairs dressed up as doctors joe i did not do that <laughs> <laughs> that was not me. Um, it sounded like that was directed towards me. Did it I was want not. to? Sure. Did it I ever? Not. No. It but we know people who have. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm saying that because, frankly, that, that's also another thing that doesn't happen without yeah. this show. I don't think, yeah. and and so that's the way I remember it. Mm -hmm. I remember yeah. this as a an incredibly well made show, yes. and it's it's mm -hmm. a it's revered for a reason. So yes. and. And to the people who are going to run fairs dressed as the doctor, 
the first person who did it was a genius. It's 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 played through though. Please stop. Just <laughs> just go for just go to the Renaissance Renaissance accurate, please, or in yeah. regular clothes. Just like the no. first person yeah. that used a machete mm-hmm. to open up a champagne bottle, you don't need to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. We've seen how it could work. Yes, we're not impressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well. On the topic of trying things, we always mm-hmm. appreciate folks that try out this show and listen to what Joe and I are coming up with on a week-over-week basis. But seriously, your support does go an incredibly long way, and we appreciate you for listening to Digital Dissection. If you do want to reach out to us, though, seriously, we've got ways for you to do that, and we love hearing from you because mm-hmm. some people do find this show by accident, we've discovered. So why not drop us a review, leave us a comment on the show, or feel free to write us at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome your ideas. And if you've even cosplayed as a doctor at one point, which for some people can be just wearing a suit, which is fine. Send it on over to us. We'll take a look. Yeah. And anything else you'd like to discuss. And until next time, keep on dissecting.